I remember as a kid <clears throat> being in service, the Lord moving. And uh, my grandma, she was notorious for it. When they would start singing that song, when the saints go marching in, there was going to be a march. She'd start with us kids, and before long, there would be some confident adults that would gather in, but we'd be marching around the, the altars of the church. And for us kids, it was fun. It was something to do. But I remember now, in my older years, it's funny how you how you forget things, you remember things, and and I don't really remember um, a lot of details of my grandmother. One of the horrible things of living past somebody's death is that as time goes on, you forget the finer details. Never forget the memory, but you you forget the finer details. But one of the things that stick with me even till today, is the look on my grandmother's face as she was marching around the church. You know, it was ridiculous to some. It was foolishness to others. To us kids, it was just a cool, fun time to run around the church because we normally get in trouble for doing that. But for my grandmother, it was worship. Coming from a genuineness of heart. And, and the look on her face as she lifted her eyes to the Lord and she raised her hands and she marched around that little church, she's doing that. This morning she's been doing that since 2005. It, when the saints go marching in, it's not just a catchy tune. It's not just something for the kids. It's our hope. It's our glory. I thank God that I have a hope this morning that says outshines the sun. Do you know what that means? It's, it goes further than the sun will shine. There's going to come a day where there is no sun. The revelation says that even the stars fall from heaven. The sun doesn't give us light. The moon doesn't shine in the darkness. There won't be anything left but us and the Lord. Amen. That brings me hope this morning. That, that gives me confidence to take another step in this walk of faith to lay aside these things that so easily beset me to look towards my Lord and to live a life worthy of the calling that we've been called to. Amen. It's not a rite of passage and it's not even a, a guarantee, but it's a privilege. It's a privilege and the Word of God says for those who persevere to the end for those who endure the hardships of life, for those who live a life in Christ, and more importantly, die a life in Christ, then glory awaits. No other religion in this world, no other God, lowercase g, gives us that, that blessed confidence because there are no other gods. What the Word of God says. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read the first seven verses this morning. And we're going to talk about the sonship that's in Christ Jesus. The sonship that we gain in, in Christ. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, 
He does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date as set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has set forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Lord, we thank You for the the time of worship that we've had, Lord. I ask that You move on the remainder of this service, Lord, as You have done through the beginning of this service, Lord. Give us ears to hear your word. Help us, O oh God, to understand this, this blessed teaching, O oh God, of the sonship, the, the heir that we are in Christ. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, in the passage past, uh, Paul has, has shown us through the, through the letter to the Galatians that uh, not only are Jews and Gentiles, slaves, free, women, men, uh, we're no longer divided among, among these lines. We're one in Christ is, is what the Word says. But our oneness in Christ is also based on a, a glorious reality. Our oneness in Christ gives us this most blessed Reality that because we are found in Christ, God the Father sees us as His Son. It's not our righteousness that has brought us before the Father, but it is the righteousness found in the Son that gives us license, gives us the ability, the Word of God says, to boldly approach the throne of God. We'll, we'll teach that one day, we'll preach that one day, what that means, and we'll look back at the beginning, uh, we'll actually look at the fall of Satan and we'll see that there is a hierarchy in heaven, that there's angels and there's cherubims and there's God sitting on the throne and the Word of God says there's He's sitting on a mountain and it's all this imagery to show that even God is above heaven, that there is no one above Him, no one near Him, lest He allows it. That was the fall of Satan. Satan was so above. He was above the angels. He went between heaven and the throne, passing through the mountain, the Word of God says. And even he, in his pride, failed because he thought, I will ascend myself. I will set my throne above. It wasn't enough for him to be the cherubim. He had to be more. And God said, because you thought in your heart, because He knows the heart of every creature, He says, because you thought in your heart that you would ascend, uh, now you're going to descend. And Christ said in the Gospels that he, he beheld Satan falling as a bolt of lightning sent here to this earth to just wreak havoc for a season. But then everything would be set right. But that is what what we're looking at here at the end of all of this at the end of history when when we look into the book of revelation 
and we see all the saints from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Where are we? We're gathered around the throne, worshiping our Father through the Son. It's a reality this morning that us mere mortals can have assurance this morning. And that's all given to us through Christ. It's through faith in Jesus that we're made children of, of God. That's what we just read. Galatians 3, 25-26, just to jog our memory again. Paul's already told us this. He said, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Right? This was last week. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. He's just he's switching analogies. He's went from a, a tutor or a taskmaster of the law, now showing us and depicting us as children being learned, right, into adulthood. Through faith, we're children. We're children. This reality is huge. It's a huge basis of our Christian faith. Like I said, no other religion gives us this privilege to be called the child of God. God is too much for us. Right? God, we can never be close to God. Matter of fact, that's why we, we uh, adhere to all these rules and regulations and, and there's religions who inflict bodily harm on themselves and there's those who climb mountains of glass to, to get finally to a stone idol to, to pray to that that thing in hopes to gain the reality that we have as Christians. We're saved by grace, through faith. Being called children of God. The end of our passage, he says, we're no longer slaves, but we're children. We've surpassed, the, yes, we're servants. We never, we never get away from being a bondservant of Christ. I think if Paul and Peter and John and James and Jude can all call themselves a bondservant of Christ, then we can at least humble ourselves to call ourselves a servant to Christ. We serve a higher power, but we do this in the sonship of God. We do this as heirs to a kingdom. A kingdom is great because of the people that serve. We've seen that throughout history. There's been good kings and bad kings, good leaders and bad leaders. There's always been servants to those. We don't want to think of it like that because it's taboo to talk about servanthood. But, but it's true. It's true. A bad leader can be bolstered up by good servants. But thank God that the way the Word of God says is that we have a good master. He doesn't need us but He desires to use us. In Knowing God, a book by J.I. Packer, he asked this question, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? And he says this, the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. I'll read that again because it's pretty good. The richest answer I know to the question, what is a Christian? Is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. That tells us this morning that there are those who do not have God as Father. And I think the Bible would tell us that Christ Himself says that not everybody who claims Lord, Lord, is someone who I know. They'll come to me, and He's talking about the day of judgment. They'll come to me and they'll, 
They'll say, Lord, did, did we not do all of these marvelous things? Did we not serve in your name? Did we not preach in your name? Did we not teach in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not work out many miracles? In other words, did we not dabble in the spiritual of this world? And he's going to say, maybe I don't know you. I don't know you. What a sad day that would be to live your life as religious as possible and then meet your Lord and He not know you. To be turned away. There's many, the Word of God says, that that's going to happen on that day. But be blessed this morning, church, for the true believer, for the Christian, for the one who has God as Father. That's not going to be our answer. We're going to be met with open arms. We're going to be met with one of the best, no, the best thing we'll ever hear with our ears. Enter in, you good and faithful servant. Those are three things, ladies and gentlemen, that I cannot be in my own. I can't be good. The Bible tells me that. I can't be faithful. The Bible tells me that. And I can't be a servant to my king without Him knowing me. That's the beauty of this. I don't have to have a relationship with a slave, but I have to have a relationship with a son. See, we're no longer slaves. There was a time in our life where we didn't have relationship with God. We served His sovereign will. He's Lord over all, right? But now we have relationship. If you want to judge, J.I. Packer goes on, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook of life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. And the, he's a lot more elegant than me. I'll ask it to you like this. What are you doing with your life? If you don't wake up in the morning and think of God and, and try and live your life according to the commandments and statutes that God has laid before us, I understand we do this imperfectly, but if that isn't your inward desire, you've got some prayer to do. You've got some hard questions to ask yourself. Are you truly in relationship with the God that's your Father? Or is He just a God of wrath? Merciful, pushing off a judgment to come, but a judgment to come nevertheless. Just to make sure the point is clear that we're all under the curse of sin, uh, Paul, he, he switches here in, in allegories. He switches on us from one that's under the curse of the law to a child, a, a child who is being reared in the ways of his father. We move from being, uh, from the law being a guardian or a tutor or a taskmaster, in, in imprisoning everyone and everything under sin, to children being no different than a slave in regards to their status in the family. And you'd have to know the, the history of, of who he's talking to, the Romans are in charge, and, and that's very much a, a Roman thing. A child was, was property until they got up into an age to where the father of the family 
uh, deem them worthy to be made an heir. It's crazy to think about because as soon as we hold a, a baby in our hands in, in this Western world, we're like, I'm going to give you everything. I, I live for you, right? And everything that I do from this point on is going to be you and we're going to spoil you and, and I'm going to show you off to the world. That's not how it was in ancient Rome. In ancient Rome, children were were things, were possessions, were potential investments. And if it turned out to be a bad investment, then you didn't get air. They just made another. How sad would it be to live, live our life that way in Christ? That's not how this is. It's not by what I can bring to the table or what I, what I can do that, that gets me sonship, but it's the love of the Father. All are under the curse of sin. I, I, I can't see under a way, any other way to preach that. Whether Jew or not, our relationship to the law of God is, is on equal footing. We're, we're the same. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, and that's a generalization of everybody under the sun, uh, we're bound by the law of God. We're bound by the commandment that He gave them in the wilderness, be holy, for I am holy. We're bound by that. Violators of this law, the Bible says, is under the powers of darkness, under dark forces. And that's what we read in verses 1 through one through three. Now I say, as long as an heir is a child, he does not differ from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. That's very much a, a Roman thing. It was a. It didn't matter how old you was. You could be thirteen. You could be twenty. You could be thirty. But if your father didn't deem you worthy of the family name, you wasn't made heir. So it wasn't like even in the Jewish day where at 13 you had your bar mitzvah, you become a man and you, you went off and you, you did your manly duty and, and you were uh, able to be called into the, the army and, and everything that come with that. With the Romans, it was, it was much different. If the father looked at you and you were 13, 14, 15 and, and you were an outstanding specimen of a, of a, of a son, you got heir. You got heirship. You were made a son. You, you gained the name. There was a public declaration. This is my son. This is my heir. Some of us are a little harder to rear. Some of us are a little more hard-headed. It may have took some of them longer. It didn't matter about the age. But that carries over into, into spiritual things. How sad would it be if we only had, say, 10 years to get right with God? And if it didn't happen, then it just didn't happen. I was 17. I have been blessed. I know this because there's some of us in this room and not in this room that have lived longer without salvation. God is merciful. I was birthed into this kingdom. I was made an heir at 17. Some of us it was 33. Some of us it's 50. Some of us have yet to be seen. Don't give up. Don't. That's what Paul is saying. He's, he's given us historical evidence and applying it to spiritual things that's showing it's, to, it's up to the Father when the sonship is given. It's up to the Father when we're deemed worthy. And it's not by what you do 
or by who you are, but it's merely by the unmerited favor of God. So apart from Jesus, we're enslaved to the spiritual principles of this world. I, we, we know this. Without God in our life, I'm a horrible person, right? I'm no good. Paul wants to ensure that we, we know nothing but faith in Jesus. That's what saves us. He even went as far to put pen to paper and write in his epistles that, that when I came to you, I didn't ask who your daddy was. I didn't ask who your mom was. I didn't ask what you did for a living. I just wanted you to know Christ and Him crucified, and that's it. The Gospel. It's in this Christ, not another. It's in this death, not another, that salvation is going to come. He wants us to understand that, that we not only are rescued from keeping the law, which we could not do, but that we're also rescued from this spiritual enslavement of the world. I am broken free from the bonds of sin, is what the Word tells us, that I am no longer a slave to sin, but now I am a slave to Christ. I no longer serve sin, but I serve Christ. I no longer have to sin. Again, we do this imperfectly. But before salvation, we had no choice. Now in salvation, we have the ability to choose good, to do good, to be more like my Father and less like me, to be more like my kingdom, to live more like a citizen of heaven and less like a citizen of this world, to be more spiritually minded to the good things that Paul tells us to think on and to be less spiritually minded to the things that easily beset me. The idea of Paul here he's trying to get across is, is that we're children. We're no longer slaves. We're heirs. There's a barrier of sin that keeps us from God and enslaves us to the power of this world. But in salvation, we're, we're broken free from that. We use the analogy of a miry clay, a quicksand, a hard thing to get out of. We're stuck in the, the ditch and we've been taken out of that place, cleaned up, set up, and put on a firm foundation, right? Pointed towards the things of God. We, apart from Jesus, were under the slavery of the principles belonging to the world system. If my hope isn't in Christ, then my hope is in something that I can see. And when that inevitably fails, my hope goes to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. So I turn around one day and I have no hope because I have no more things to put my hope into. Romans 1 will tell us that although God beckons and He calls and He ministers and He puts into place things and people and actions and, and situations that a, a man or a woman who rejects God is given over to the principles that we're speaking of, to the spirituality of this world where my sin becomes my reality and my truth becomes reality and I am God of my own life. All the while, the Bible says, sending my 
own self to hell. Not the will of the Father. Not, not what He wants. He sends nobody to hell and laughs. We understand that. He's just. And He will deal with sin. But He doesn't do it happily. Just as a father deals with his own son. You're doing it wrong if you're happy when you have to discipline your kids. Right? If I was happy every time I whipped my son, if I looked for reasons to whip him, y'all need to sit me down and talk to me. Something ain't right. Right? We call that abuse. I'm an abusive father when I just look for reasons. I make up reasons. That's not what God does. See, that's the lie of the enemy that, that he's just a man, the man upstairs, the, the old man upstairs who's looking down, putting his thumb on us, flicking us and, and, and chastising us and sending judgment our way. And that's not what the Word tells us. That it's through His love that He beckons us. But He is just. And He holds up to His promises. And He promised to give us the desires of our heart. And if we have rejected Him and our heart is unchanged, our desires are impure. And it leads us to a path of unrighteousness. Through salvation, through this sonship given to us in Christ, a marvelous thing happens. He changes our desires. He gives us a new heart. He renews our mind. Now my desires are fixed on Him. And He gives me those desires. And through a process we call sanctification, I fall and I get up. And I walk and I fall and I get up. And I walk and I, I fail Him. And He picks me up. And, and through repentance and a day to day to day from faith to faith, from glory to glory reality, this process of sanctification gets me to God. We're all under these elements of this world system. Language is, is one of spiritual influence. And Lord, we can see that. That although the world is blind to it, they are spiritually influenced by the prince of the power of the air. By the, what the Word says, for a season, for a time, because of the sovereignty of God, the God of this world rules over them. And unless there is a supernatural miracle we call salvation that comes into the hearts of mankind, we are ruled by this spiritual influence forever. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses of sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. This is a dangerous place because the Bible says that we're blinded to this. We, we don't have spiritual eyes like we do in salvation where we understand and we know that God is working in us, right? To work us out of us. But the world is under a spiritual influence and they, they don't know any different. The idea is trying to get across, right, the illustration here. The law revealed our sin. Showed us that we're in sin. It increased our sin. In other words, it, it put it right in front of us. We can't, we can't not deal with it. If we look at the law and we look at ourselves, I'm, I'm condemned. I, I condemn myself. 
I have not held up my end of the bargain. It revealed that we were under this dark influence of this world power. But verse 4, verse 4 is the greatness. It's an eternal covenant of redemption. We, we spoke of this. Was and is being worked out to the perfection of the saints for the glory of God in our temporal and eternal reality. Jesus' entrance and work uh, were determined. No power in heaven and earth could stop it. That's what He said. He told Pontius Pilate, you're not in control here. My Father's in control. Nothing, nothing any of y'all do is going to stop what's about to happen. There will be a cross. There will be a death. There will be a resurrection. There will be a transfer of power. There will be all power and all authority given to me. That's what he was saying. He's, I could stop this, but I'm not because this is why I'm here. Jesus' entrance into time and space was, was at just the right time. It was at just the right religious time, just the right theological time to take advantage of the climate of the world. It was just at the right time. You say, how do you know that? The, the whole world spoke one language at that time. Rome had taken over. They all spoke Greek so that a word could be written. It could be administered. People like Paul who had Roman citizenship could go anywhere in the world. Free. He was a free man. He was both Jew and Roman citizen. He'd go anywhere he wanted to. Sounds like a pretty good perk to be a missionary, right? Where you, It's just free borders. You just go wherever you want. You didn't have to worry about getting on a plane and, and, and having your passport and making sure that that country and our country is friends. and You could just go wherever you wanted to. It was just at the right time. Rome had taken over, and as horrible as that was, they, they paved roads, right? They, they made governments, and, and you, could, you could just go. It was the free use of this world at large. But it was more than just the right time. It's the right person, right? It's Christ, and it, here's where we are in, uh, in verse 4. Said when the fullness of time had came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem us from under the law, and that we might receive adoption as sons. So God sent His Son, Jesus, was, and He is God. Jesus is God. John eight and fifty eight. Before Abraham was, I am. He used God's proper name, right? That's who I am. If you go read in John chapter 8, that is the reason why he was crucified. When he said that statement that day, the Pharisees went off and said, we got to kill him. He, he's blasphemed. He, he said that he's God. He's not just sent by God. He said that he is God. And for that reason, they meant to crucify him. But he's also born of a woman. You realize all this is in verse 4. So Jesus is God, right? Truly God. But He's also born of a woman. He's, he's real flesh. He's, he's truly man. Truly God, truly man. We call that the duality of natures. There's both God and man in one vessel 
And it was only because he was God that that vessel didn't just explode. Right? We see that on Mount Transfiguration where his glory is shined forth and, and his flesh is peeled back and, and he's seen for who he truly, truly is. How crazy had that to be, to be up there with that and to see God and then covered with flesh again. Jesus is truly human. He's fully human. He's fully God. He's truly God. He was born under the law. He wasn't above the law. He fulfilled the law. He was born under the law. But He redeemed us from that law because Jesus, having kept the law and able to die in our place for our sins, He fixes the mess that we make. He's able to come and to live a truly righteous life. Where Adam failed, he prevailed. And because of that, this is still verses 4 and 5, we receive an adoption. We receive an adoption and we become children. We're not children, but through faith we become children. It's an adoption. And as children of God, we, we get the Holy Spirit. As if this isn't enough just to be God's Son, we receive His Spirit. All of us in Christ are really children. Just as our children have pieces of us in them, we have God's Spirit in us. This is the only way that we can be truly heirs is to have God place Himself on us and in us. Heirs are recipients of all the belongings of their Father. This isn't just a name. This isn't just a place to live. This is the benefits of who our Father is. Matthew 5, 3-10. You ought to know is the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What have, what have we gained in this salvation? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for, their, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You ever notice that in the, those Beatitudes? That there's, there's the doctrine of, of adoption is there. There's the sonship of Christ is there. So how do we apply this? It's pretty easy this morning. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need one. You, you need one. You are at this moment not 
in the kingdom. That's what the Bible tells us. This isn't what I'm saying. This is, this is strictly Bible. If you don't believe Jesus as Lord of your life, as Savior of the world, as God, you don't have your faith in this Christ, then you are outside of the kingdom of heaven. You are not an heir. You are not a son. You are nothing. So you need this. This is the one thing in this life that you need the most. You need God in your life. And the Father this morning, through this covenant of grace, by no merit of ourselves, by no reason other than He said He would, He said for all those who believe in His Son, He would accept. He would bring into the fold that He would make heir of them. No matter your background, no matter what you did, no matter who you are, unmerited favor, unbiased opinion, not a respecter of person, doesn't matter your age, if too young, too old, none of that matters. Believe on Christ with an active faith. Put your hope and trust in that Christ. And heaven is yours. If you are a Christian, let us forever try to stop, stop trying to get God's favor. We live as children. We live as children. I don't obey my father because he has rules and regulations and all that stuff. I, I wanted to obey my father because I loved him. Right? At least that's, my, that's me. I hope that Richard Paul, although right now, as a child, it's don't do this, don't do that, don't go there. Right? It's a lot of don'ts. It's, it's, it's this law. Right? But as he grows older, I would hope that that's not our relationship, but that there is, there is a reciprocative love between us, that he honors me and I honor him. Because of this love that we have one for another, it's a different relationship. Does that make sense? He's not my slave. I didn't, I didn't get Richard Paul so that he could eventually cut the grass and pick up limbs and, and do all of that stuff. Although he will because he loves me, right? He'll want to help around the house. He'll want to keep up. But that's not why I, I gained children. I gained children because I wanted to love somebody, right? I wanted to show I wanted to show my love in a way in which only a father can to a son or daughter. I wanted children. It's the same it's the same in the spiritual. God does didn't need us. I didn't need Richard Paul. I wanted him. Right? I didn't even know he was a Richard Paul, but I I just wanted him. Or her. When it was him, when they placed him in my arms, that was it. Right? It was no Roman father thing. That was it. You're it. You're the one. Everything that I had, yours. It's not a lot. Sorry. But everything that I had was yours. Still to this day, when he's a knucklehead, he still, he still has sonship. He's still an heir. Right? We're going to have to deal with some stuff. Right now, you're under this law. Right? My roof, my rules. How many's ever heard that? 
That's true for a season. But eventually, as a father, I'm going to have to learn that he's old enough, right, as he grows, God willing. that he, I may say that one day, and he'd be like, all right, my roof, right? I'll leave. What's the relationship going to be after that if his whole life, all he knew was my roof, my rules? That's all Paul is saying here is that it's, we're not bound by this law, but it's because of the love of our Father that I live my life trying to adhere to it. Right? Let's stand this morning. Lord, we thank You, O God, for this blessed covenant that we've been grafted into. Lord, this covenant of grace. Lord, help us, Lord, as Your children, to love You greater. Lord, to see You for who You truly are. Lord, to live out our life a blessing. Lord, as much as we can, we know that we fail in this. Help us, O God, in our shortcomings. Lord, fill us anew with Your Spirit so that we can walk newly in You. Lord, help us, O God, to show this world what it means to be a child of the King. What it means to be an heir to a kingdom. Lord, that we're just pilgrims passing through this land. But Lord, help us to impact those around us as we move through. Lord, help us, O God, to gain Your kingdom. Lord, not for the benefit of our ourself, Lord, not to the glory of ourself, Lord, but for the glory of You and You alone. Lord, we ask this in Your name. Amen.